Hello, welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending August 25th, 2023. <laughs> I'm Zoe. Thanks for joining me today. I have with us Paul Eidelman, our Chief Investment Strategist in North America. How are you doing, Paul? Yeah, very good. How are you, Zoe? Pretty good, pretty good. It's a beautiful summer in the Pacific Northwest. Yep, sure is. <laughs> so let's start things off with the bond market. What is going on? <laughs> we are seeing some of the highest yields we've seen in well over a decade. Yep. What is driving that right now, do you think? Well, maybe starting with what's not driving yields higher. Um, we've had some better inflation news out of the United States now for the last couple of months. And if anything, it seems like the realized ex inflation experience is tracking below the Fed's own forecast from back mm -hmm. in June. So that seems fine. It also doesn't really look like investors are changing their expectations about the next couple of Fed meetings. Most people think the Fed will be on hold in September. We tend to agree. Uh, most people think the meeting after that in November is close to a coin toss. We tend to agree, and the pricing around those two meetings hasn't moved very much. The front end of the yield curve has been pretty stable. What has been changing is, is the longer end of the yield curve. We've had a bear steepening of the curve. And um, there's a couple of factors behind that, potentially. I think one angle is that the U.S. economy has proven a little bit more resilient, at least for now, mm -hmm. uh, into this higher interest rate environment than many people expected. Or put differently, some investors are recalibrating what they think the equilibrium or normal interest rate might be for the U.S. economy over the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that equilibrium rate, or what economists call R star, the markets moved that up close to 4% nominal, which is the highest it's been in a very long time. So I think mm -hmm. that's one factor. Mm -hmm. As well, there's supply dynamics within the Treasury market that have changed somewhat. The Treasury announced that they were going to issue a lot more bonds, and that surprised some investors, and uh, greater issuance could demand higher treasury yields as well. And uh, finally, there's some global factors at play here, where a couple of weeks ago, the Bank of Japan announced that it was going to relax its yield curve control on the 10-year JGB. Mm -hmm. And for quite some time, Japan has been sort of the, the anchor on global yields, holding things down. And as that global anchor is rift, lifting a little bit, that might be another factor behind why treasury yields are lifting a little bit as well. So I think it's a confluence of factors, yeah. but those are some of the things that we're looking at as contributors here. I think bottom line, we, we I think fixed income is looking increasingly attractive as an opportunity at these yield levels, 4%, 5% in some cases across the Treasury um, yield curve in the United States now. That's a pretty good uh, hold to maturity return mm -hmm. on safe government bonds. And if economic conditions do deteriorate, treasuries can even potentially offer some capital appreciation potential on top of that. So we do think fixed income looks pretty good right now. Well, that sounds great. Always nice to hear that the uh, changes on the inflation forecast are having positive effects. Thanks a lot, Paul. That is a complicated picture that you painted. Sure. So we're going to pivot a little bit here. Uh, what did we learn from the Purchasing Managers Index about the health of the global cycle? You mentioned that Japan had an influence on bond yields here. So what's the rest of the world? <laughs> yeah, so we got the flash PMIs for August. This is really the first reliable data point we have on the health of the business cycle in August. Japan was a standout to the upside. It seems like they're benefiting from a reopening and some pretty resilient domestic activity. Everywhere else, conditions look like they're slowly slowing down mm -hmm. a little bit. And that was the feature from our global market outlook 
uh, a couple of months ago. It seems like that's starting to come through in the data. And I'd say the region that stands out a little bit in terms of being the weakest right now actually is Europe. Mm. And um, the story there seems pretty similar to the dynamics at play here in the United States where they had an inflation problem. The European Central Bank has moved policy to quite restrictive levels. Their banks are tightening up lending standards around economic uncertainty, uh, et cetera. And maybe one nuance in Europe is that the banks play a much bigger role there into the real economy, whereas in the United States, capital markets play a bigger role. And so maybe that's one reason behind why Europe is slowing down a little bit sooner and maybe even a little bit faster than what we see in mm -hmm. the United States. So nothing's really breaking per se, but it, it looks like conditions <laughs> are maybe slowing down a bit here at the margin. All right. All right. Sounds some, like something we'll have to keep an eye on going forward, yep. as always. <laughs> well, I think that wraps things up for us. Thank you so much, Paul, for all of your insights, as always. And thanks to all of you for joining us. I hope you